0: Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 33 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today?
1: Oh, pretty well. Pretty well. Had a very nice day today.
0: Nice. Uh, I did too. The sun was yeah. shining. I guess we'll talk about that in a oh, minute. Oh, man. But you know what else is shining, Dave? In the heavens, it's five stars. Our officially award-winning opening segment, which we will do before we're talking about today's episode, which is, of course, episode 33 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger, Giddy, the Girlfriend from the Moon, which is both a true and misleading title in a fun way. Uh, (laughs) But Dave, five stars. What is our first Star of the Week?
1: Matt, our first Star of the Week is maybe the best star. It's soul, our own son. Yeah. And it was out, and I saw it. In Cleveland and it was like 52 or 53 degrees out and I just went out and the kids were playing outside and it had been like pretty sunny and then the clouds the clouds broke Matt and there was just pure sunshine and I was outside and it wasn't freezing cold and I like I took my coat off I just stood there and sweeted like in front in the sun sorry this is so our parents lived in sweden for a number of years and mm-hmm. when the sun finally comes out in sweden what you will see people do is just standing out in this they'll like cross the street and just stand out in the sun with their face up and their eyes closed like looking directly at it just to like like physically and like, like i don't know like in as much as possible. Yeah, just, like, get it, like, directly into your body as much as you possibly can. I, I was, like, 30 seconds away from taking my shirt off. I didn't do that, but I almost <laughs> did.
0: Dude, I get it. Um, it's It was great. Like, man. Yeah. This, this time of year, late February, is, like, my least favorite time of year. Because it is the time where, like...
1: What's the worst it, bit?
0: It feels like winter has been going forever. And you know that, like, it's coming to a close soon, but it's not coming to a close right now. Um, and, and we'll get these, you know, like, the week before this was, we talked about it last week, it was just, like, you know, terrible weather all over the country.
1: And it's gonna get cold again. I mean, this is...
0: Yeah, so, like, it, it got very cold, and we'll have these patches of, like, ah, yes, like, now it's it's only a few weeks until daylight savings time. It's all like we're almost oh, through that's it, right? And then it's just going to oh, like you man. know. I know daylight it's going to drop back time. down to the teens soon.
1: No, it's actually it's not supposed to drop below like high uh, mid thirties till at least next Tuesday.
0: I I, I will I, I would love that, but I will believe it when I see it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so March fourteenth, March fourteenth. So it's only like two weeks, Matt. Yeah, it's man. only like two weeks until daylight. Oh, I love daylight savings time.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's I the don't best. like I don't like the time change. I just I want to always live in daylight savings time. I want to abandon yeah. non daylight savings time and only live in the version that has more sunshine later in the day.
1: Yes. Yeah, 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 for sure, no question. Absolutely. Um that's that is when I want it with without question. Ah uh, yeah, so this it's liar spring right now, but it will be real spring soon.
0: Anyway, Dave, what is our second star of the week?
1: So the second star of the week, Matt? Sorry, I was just sort of like mentally living in that sunshine on my face for a minute. Uh, our second star of the week, Matt, as it so often is, it's Bun Vulcan. Welcome to Bun Vulcan.
0: So what do you got for us this week, Dave?
1: So, Matt, this week, I didn't actually bake a new thing, but I made a new frosting. So I had been just making, like, American-style... Yeah, I had been making American-style buttercream. But the thing is, is American-style buttercream, it relies on, like, a ton of powdered sugar for its, like, structure. It has two ingredients, Mm -hmm. like butter and powdered sugar, and, like, a little bit of cream. And... That's fine, except I'm trying to do, you know, Beth and I kind of do this sort of, uh, it's delicious, but Beth and I kind of try to do this like low carb thing, which is fine. And it's very, it's, you know, it's healthier overall. And so, you know, I'm doing like low carb baking now. I'm trying to like, when I first started baking, I was like, listen, I'm just going to kind of do this stuff until I get a little bit of a handle on it. And then I'll try and branch out and do some low carb stuff. So that's kind of where I've been recently.
0: Okay. Like figure out the basics and then figure out the very end.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I don't want to like dive in on some weird stuff. Like let me figure out exactly the basics. And so I was like trying to figure out a way to do buttercream and I was like it's just is not going to work because you can use artificial sweeteners, but they don't taste exactly like sugar. And if you eat if you have if you're eating them in the quantities that you would need to create buttercream, like they just start to taste very weird. So I'm like what am right. I going to do? So I yeah, so there's a great cooking blog called All Day I Dream About Food. And she's like, oh, the answer is you make Swiss buttercream. And I was like, like I've never made Swiss buttercream before. So basically what you do is you get your egg whites really warm, like like just under coagulating, so like 150 okay. degrees. And I think they coagulate at like um, 162 or something like that. And you get so you mix your sugar in with that. And you heat it to 150 degrees and then you whip it up into a meringue and then you throw softened butter into that. Like once the meringue is already whipped and the warmth from the meringue, the warmth from the meringue melts the butter and incorporates an aerite. So it doesn't end up as fluffy as a meringue. Like you're losing volume because you're introducing fat. And that's just like that's a thing that happens. But it ends up like fluffy and super smooth and delicious and i realized something which is if you've ever watched like cake decorating videos like pro cake decorators and they just sort of like spin the cake around like very gently touch it with like a spatula and it becomes like super smooth Mm -hmm. and it looks like soft and cloud and i was like what am i doing wrong with my buttercream why can't i get that the answer is they're using Swiss buttercream. Like, they're not uh-huh. using American buttercream. American buttercream is super dense comparatively. So, anyways, I made this Swiss buttercream and it worked out super well. It got a little bit grainy, but that's because I let my butter, my butter was too cold. So I just warmed it up and re whipped it and it turned out perfect.
0: Oh, nice. I made an
1: orange pound cake. Yeah, I made an orange pound cake and then I made like orange frosting to go with it. It was delicious.
0: Sounds great. Uh, I made more bread. Yeah,
1: man. That's nice. Oh well, yeah, I saw it in the family chat. You sent out another loaf. It looked great.
0: Yeah, I I am now I I feel like last week I was talking about how I was really trying to really get like a firm grasp on the sort of bread that I would that dutch oven loaf that I was making. And I I did three yeah. good ones in a row in the course of about a week. And I'm like, "Okay, like I feel like now I, I feel it. solid about this." So, I actually have some more dough uh, nice. in the Kitchen right now that I'll be baking up tomorrow.
1: Nicely done, Matt. What is
0: our third star of the week? So third star of the week, Dave, is... I have been revisiting some old Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. I mean, okay, none of them... Uh, okay, actually, some of them are old. There's well, I was going to say, They've...
1: dude, Iron Man... 2008, I think? Right? Yeah, something like that.
0: Anyway... Um, I'm not going back that far. So the thing is, I have on this show recommended in the past, uh, a different podcast called Blank Check, right? Pod- yeah, 2008. Yeah. Uh, podcast about filmographies, but they also have these side... Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, you've mentioned that.
0: So they've got these side projects that they do where they'll pick like a long series of movies and do like a watch along commentary track thing with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I like the idea of that. But I feel like if I watch a movie with like a commentary track in my headphones while I'm watching a movie on the TV and it's a movie I really love, then I'm going to like not be paying attention to the podcast. And like I'm just like the one thing is just going to distract the other. So I thought to myself, why don't I instead watch a movie I only kind of like and then I'll be able to like focus on the podcast and like get that sort of full experience. If that makes any sense, dig it, totally. So makes I'm like, sense. well, which is like, which of the Marvel movies is something that like I enjoy, but like it's whatever. And so, of course, do you want to guess?
1: Okay, it could be, it could be Iron Man two. It could be mm-hmm. Thor two. It was Thor two. I started with Thor two. I was gonna say those are really the only ones in my mind that are like Iron Man three is like a B plus Iron Man's Iron Man two is like a B B minus and I should say again please don't like question my fanboy creds these are B minuses within the context of the MCU okay, so
0: this is actually my larger point like what I what I want to say is that, like so far I have watched. I, I've been watching, let's see, I started with Thor The Dark World, and I've sort of been going cr- chronologically through. So, Thor the, Thor 2 The Dark World, Captain America 2 Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, and uh, Avengers 2 Age of Ultron. Um, Avengers 2 Age of... Like, Thor 2 and Avengers 2 are the two movies I think of in the Marvel's, Marvel Cinematic Universe that are like... Yeah, I guess you kind of have to watch those ones because important stuff happens, but like... Mm -hmm. They're the most, like, disposable whatever, you know. And I I hadn't really seen either of them since they were in the theaters. Um, And, you know, at this point, that's been a few years. So I sit down to watch these movies. I'm like, oh, right. These these aren't bad movies. They're actually pretty good movies. There's good stuff in all of them. It's just that when you think of Thor 2 The Dark World as being the mm-hmm. worst Marvel movie. Like, when you think the word worst, your brain sort of correlates that with bad. But it's not a bad movie. It's the worst right. of a bunch of good movies. It's like, okay, Die Another yes. Day is the worst James Bond movie. And Die Another Day sucks. Die Another Day is a terrible movie. And it's the worst James Bond movie. Thor 2, I'm not sure that Thor 2 actually is the worst Marvel movie. I'd have to do like a full rewatch to... Like, weigh in on that. But even if it was the mm-hmm. worst uh, Marvel movie, that doesn't mean that it's not a good movie. Like, there's a lot. Like, all the stuff with Loki in that movie is really good. The stuff where the Warriors 3 and Loki and Thor and Sif are, like, basically the A-team escaping from Asgard. Oh, yeah. Like, that I stuff forgot rules. about that bit. That's a
1: great bit.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, this is something Heimdall's so... Really, um, like, Heimdall's in that movie and does cool stuff. Wow, I mean, it's Idris Elba, right? Like, yeah, like, you know, Anthony Hopkins doesn't have a lot to do in that movie, and, you know, he's kind of... But he's in it! He like, Anthony Hopkins doesn't have to put in a lot of work to have, like, a decent impact, but, like, <laughs> boy, like, when he's on the throne yelling at Loki about, like, how his birthright was to die, like, it's good stuff! Oh, stuff man, it is. It's movie. really
1: good stuff. You know, one of the things that I really that it's sort of in a weird way snuck up on me almost is we were watching the most recent episode of WandaVision this last weekend. And, you know, that the opening scroll of Marvel stuff and it's all like clips from Mm. past MCU projects. And at this point, there's a lot of clips, like a lot. There is a lot of movie in these movies. And I was like, man, it kind of snuck up on me. This is now a, a full, like, they've always called it the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But in a sneaky sort of way, it really does. It feels so fleshed out at this point. Like, there's just so much there. And one of the things that I think is coolest about it, or that I kind of dig about it the most, is as a kind of long-term comics guy, this is one of the coolest things about Marvel Comics. And now, even if you've never read the comics, you are getting to experience that same feeling, that same sort of thing through the medium of the movies, you know, um, and it's really cool because I get to, I get to share it with Beth because she loves all the movies and TV shows. She's just not really a comic book person, like just the format. She does. Yeah, doesn't dig it. Um, but now it's this really cool thing. Um, and it's 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 just awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, what's wild. It's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe has outlasted the the new 52. Like the new fifty-two version of the DC universe, like in the comics, like came and went, like during the time of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, obviously, there were a lot of comics in those years, and there have only been you know twenty minute or twenty movies and a few TV shows in the course of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, like you know, comparatively,
1: twenty movies—it's a lot. I'm not saying it's not a lot. I'm
0: I'm just you know, it's a lot of movies. I'm just. You know, I didn't want to downplay the amount of stuff that was in the new 52. I'm just saying, like, you know, no, no, no. If you I got look at it. a I'll calendar, you know what I mean, right?
1: It's wild. I, no, it's I mean, cool. also DC DC reboots their universe. Uh, I just think every day, like the head editor goes in and like flips a coin as to whether they're going to reboot it today or not. Head editor Harvey Dent. <laughs>
0: Anyway, yeah, the, the MCU is fun. I think I think a lot of people are re watching some of it right now because, like, now that WandaVision's out, we're like, oh, right, yes, this thing that we liked exists, and we are already subscribed to Disney Plus, so we can just watch all of these movies anytime. We could we just want. go back and
1: watch it now, yeah.
0: Uh, anyway, Dave, what is our fourth star of the week?
1: So our fourth star of the week is like a low-key commercial. It's just some like really, really cool Kickstarter projects that are out there that um, we're either backing or just like, I kind of want to back, but like, I can't back everything. And the first, like they have no fear. Like this thing is like way past its its stretch goals. So they've raised like half a million dollars so far. But if you want to get in early access, it's called Dungeon Alchemist. And this is a DD and uh, d thing. And here's what it is.
0: Now, when you say it's a D&D is, thing, is it like a... No, I mean, it's kickstarting. So it, this is not like a Wizards of the Coast d uh, yeah, thing.
1: Yeah, sorry. What I should have said is it is a tabletop role-playing oriented thing. It is okay. not specifically Dungeons & Dragons. But Dungeons & Dragons is, you know, a lot of people play it with a map where, you know, most people aren't playing like mage with a map or something. Anyways, here's what Dungeon Alchemist does. Is it has like, as they're programming it, it's got like 15 themes right so like wizard's lair or pirate cove or dungeon or town or whatever right and you just open up a blank thing and you just draw a square or a triangle or whatever shape you want and you say this is a bedroom and it just goes like and it just fills it in with a bunch of bedroom stuff Ooh. or you say like this is yeah or you say like this is a tavern it's like okay and it just creates a tavern like procedurally out of like you know given like the size that you want it to be and and all of this stuff and then you can either uh it's all 3d so you can either use it on like a virtual tabletop or you can turn it flat and just make it top down and print them out um it looks it just looks incredibly cool again the project is called dungeon alchemist i i am very seriously considering getting in on it Um, The only reason I'm not is that I'm not actively involved in the Dungeons and Dragons game like right at this minute. Mm -hmm. But I do plan on playing more Dungeons and Dragons in the future. And so I probably have to get this very cool thing.
0: I mean, it would almost be irresponsible not to.
1: It would almost, Matt, you speak, you're such a wise person. (laughs) Uh, And then there was another project, Matt, that we were going to talk about. But I'll let you lean in on this one, even though we're both very excited about it.
0: Yeah, there is. Um, there's actually two others that I just saw today that I'm like, oh man, do I spend all of my money on this? And the answer is no, because I'm renovating a house. But I can spend some of my money on at least one of them. Uh, and one of them is there's a we we've talked a lot about the the tabletop game Mage uh, on this podcast. And there is can a. Can you ever talk about it too much, Matt? I don't think I said too much, Dave. I think I, I think I just said a lot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's just the same game but set in a different time period it's set in the victorian uh era which i don't think there there was the sorcerer's crusade in the old editions but i don't think that was specifically victorian it's been a while since i've read the sorcerer's crusade no plus.
1: that was no that was like elizabethan up through like Early Georgian. Okay. I think was kind of the vibe there. And there had been talk a lot. There no, you know what, Matt? There was some Victorian stuff bit in like first edition. Oh, all right. I wanna say. So there is some Victorian mage stuff like way back in like the publishing history, but uh, nothing for like 15 or 16 or maybe 20 years. So yeah, it's no new rules, but it's just a bunch of cool setting stuff and background stuff. And it does look very, very cool. I probably will not get that one though, but it does look extraordinary. I don't know, man. I might, as I'm thinking about it, I might, I might at least get the PDF. The, The
0: thing that, the thing that's really like the other project that I was looking at the other day that was like, man. I really, really want this, but, like, when am I ever going to get a chance to play it? It's yet another expansion to the board game Root, which is this really fun, like, asynchronous, um, like, strategy game. It's not exactly, like, a battle strategy game, because it's so asynchronous that some of the factions, like, do not thrive <laughs> in combat. Um, right. But it's, like, it's this big game that takes, like, a while to play, and... I live alone and <laughs> in a pandemic, and I don't get a chance to play board games with people like around a table anymore. Um, I mean, theoretically, eventually I'll be able to do that again. But, uh, but Dave, one of the factions is just like this angry mob, and uh, the name of the faction is well, that's not a great not a great
1: start, Matt.
0: Uh, well, the the name of the fu- the faction is Lord of the Hundreds and it's just like you control this and it, oh, the game is very cute like all the it's like little like fantasy animals in like a woodland kingdom uh and these are just like these little red mice running around with like fire just uh laying waste to the world around them um <laughs> okay so again
1: that's a little bit little close to home little bit close to home a little bit soon route I would say, you know, dude, you know, because they obviously, they have to have been developing this for a long time, that like on January the 6th, the developers are like, oh no, oh no, no, oh man. I mean, we all were, but they were like, in general, oh, but also like for very specific reasons (laughs) for us right now. Oh no, man.
0: I'm just, Dave, I'm just excited to see how it would play out in the game. The asynchronous strategies in the game, Dave. They're very compelling. Very compelling stuff. Uh Dave, what is our for? uh Oh Matt, you know
1: I'm compelled by asynchronous strategy. Uh but but Matt, what is our fifth star of the week?
0: Dave, uh, our fifth star of the week is a house update. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I um as listeners to the show know, I bought a house. The house is uh, old and in need of major renovations, and so I haven't moved in yet. And so I've been sort of working steadily to get it sort of habitable so I can move in. And the project is coming along, and it's very cool. What The the big update this week is that I have finally sort of uh, worked out with the bank a way to get a loan based on the value of the house that I can sort of use that money to fund the repairs, and then once that's all done, I'll sort of get a... I'll sort of refinance it and sort of have that be my mortgage and move on. Well, that's sort of the the bullet point, so I don't sort of go into the weeds on talking about, like, home finance, which is something that I barely understand and is not entertaining. Here's the thing that may be entertaining, though, Dave, is that for some reason, like, the way that I was sort of bounced around from banker to banker, like, by the time I ended up, like... Finding a person who I could talk to to actually help me work this out. They were like, okay, like we will do Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And then at the end, you will come into the the branch of the bank and you will sign the paperwork. And on the day before I had to go into the bank, they were like, okay, here's the address. I look it up and it turns out that the bank I was going to was a branch of the bank that was in a local grocery store.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah. That's not great.
0: Which is like, which is also like 20 minutes away from where I live. Like, I live like right up by Edgewater, and this is in Fairview Park uh, at the Giant Eagle on the Rain. And so I'm driving to this grocery store to go to the (sighs) bank to sign important loan documents, which feels very surreal. And while I'm doing it, I'm just looking like at, you know, at the buildings that I'm driving by, and I'm like, well, there's one branch of this bank. And I just passed like five different branches of the same <laughs> bank. before, Like full, regular branches with cubicles and chairs. And, you know, that don't just have uh, grocery carts like rattling around behind you while you're trying to sign your life away. Uh, and then I end up and it's just like sitting next to this. And the bank is right next to the front door. So I'm just sitting there like huddled in my coat as the front door keeps opening and people are coming in with their shopping carts, like signing these bank documents. It's it was it was a very surreal experience to like essentially buy a house at a grocery store. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does feel that does feel pretty strange. Uh but that's it. That is the fifth star of the week. But it's Dave. done we, now, Matt. It is done. We're gonna take a break. We are going to watch episode 33. Once again, it is called Giddy, the Girlfriend from the Moon, uh, written by Naruhisa Arakawa. Original air date October 5th, 1997. Of course, you can watch along with us either on the DVDs or at shoutfactorytv.com. And we will be right back. All right, welcome back. We're on the moon. It's great. There are new robots there, Dave. There's a lot. There's a lot of good stuff happening here in space.
1: We yeah, got a moon no, base. Yeah, extremely good right? stuff.
0: Extremely good stuff. I will give you a list, Dave, of things in ascending importance of things that we find in space as we're sort of cutting mm-hmm. around. Uh, there is a moon base. That's great. We see the picture of the new robots. That's cool.
1: Yep, I do uh, get a giant kick out of the fact that Kenta's is just like a, a an android just a
0: large man like everybody
1: else has vehicles and he's just kind of like a robot man
0: um Shogo is there <laughs> he is up and about and healthy looking and working on repairing uh Galaxy Mega um Dr. Kubota is there and he is sort of he also seems to I, I remember he'd gotten slightly injured in the last episode he looks fine now and then finally Dave the most important thing that we find is that Tall Steve is back in this show.
1: He is. I was I was genuinely, man, genuinely kind of relieved to see him. Because I was Me like too.
0: this can't be the end of Tall Steve. I was worried something had happened to him. You know, like all of the people in this base are at risk every time Galaxy Mega goes into combat. I thought that like I guess Tall Steve just like bit it at some point like halfway through dude the dude just ate it. But no. now
1: he's good, man. He's good. Thank goodness. Uh, so, Detective Computer's like, Shogo, when is, like, listen, thank goodness that, not Galaxy Mega, what's the new robot's name? Mega Voyager. Voyager. Mega Voyager, thank you. It's like, thank goodness Mega Voyager was ready to go when it was, but when is Galaxy Mega going to be fixed? And Shogo's like... Listen, we're working as fast as we can, um, but like, you know, really took a beating. Tall Steve says something, and I haven't heard him say anything in a long time, and I think this might be the longest series of lines he's ever had. But Tall, they have to have overdubbed this guy. They either did, they did one of two things. They overdubbed Tall Steve with the Japanese person speaking English, or... They said, tall, Steve, your American English is not, and my, our sister who is, um, who teaches overseas, like teaches English to speakers of foreign language has told us that this is true, that sometimes if you are a native English speaker and you are speaking to somebody who does not like, kind of speaks English, one of the best things you can do and please actually, okay, this might be like a pro level move. Do not try this in the wild because what she has told us is it something that you can do to help comprehension is to speak English with the accent of the person that you are trying to speak to. So, like, if you were trying to speak to a Japanese person and their English wasn't great, it would be helpful for them if you spoke English with a Japanese accent. Again, I 100% do not recommend you do this in the wild. Yeah, I think this... I'm pretty sure I, this is a pro-level move yeah, I, for, like, educational you, settings. I was gonna say... Otherwise, when, it could get very bad very, very
0: fast. When you say a pro-level move, you mean specifically, like, in a professional setting if you are trying to help a student understand something in a foreign language.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this this is a pretty reserved... Uh, this is a very niche move. Do not try this in real life. But, like, Tall Steve 100% has, like, a very thick Japanese accent when he's speaking English.
0: Yeah. Um... But it warms my heart to see him. We might have had that. It ex- was, it was we good. might have had that. Ex- it's been so long since he's been in the show. It's possible that we had that exact same conversation last time he was here. I'm not going to go back and check, but it's not impossible.
1: Yeah, no, that certainly is not. Well, it's always a delight to see Charles Steve when when he when he shows up. Um, he's like a weird sentai cryptid. Anyways, Komodo is concerned. He's like, listen, dude, this is, like, we really, we got to get on this. Like, again, we kind of, we eked out a victory here, but, like, you know, we we would prefer to be further ahead of this than than we are. So we flash down to Earth. Kenta's running for the train. He's like, oh, my gosh, if I am late again, I'm going to get in trouble. And as he is, uh, he's getting on the train, a young woman comes, like, chasing after him. And uh, she's very cute. And she's like, Kenta. And Kenta's like, Huh? Who is this? Who knows my name? C- I am immediately what, interested. I don't know. Immediately interested. But the train dings and like the doors close, and he's like, "No, no, no!" There's like dawning horror on his face as
0: the he's like <laughs> trying the doors to pry the doors open.
1: Yeah, and he should, he needs gorilla arms. Matt is what he needs, and so. As he as the train is pulling away, he's staring forlornly at this young woman, and she is saying something to him. It is not clear what she's saying, we don't hear it. But when Kenta right, sees Right, But she it, is says, chasing
0: after the train and like yeah, banging on the window and calling his name. You can tell that much at least.
1: Right. And when Kenta looks at her, he's like, I love you? Is that what you're saying? Oh my gosh. This girl loves me, and then the train has pulled away.
0: <laughs> so we got to the digital research club, and Kenta is just relaying all of this, and he's sort of like going, like putting on a little like mime act and going through the motions. He's like, and then she, she was running at me really like good this. Job. Yeah, and he like, and see, so, you know, he's he's just bragging about how you know he has a girlfriend. He just. As soon as he can, like, get around to meeting her, he definitely has a girlfriend who loves him now.
1: For sure, yes. Uh, nobody buys this. Least of all, yeah, I-, I think Chisato and Shun are the two, like, top-tier disbelievers. Creature and Muku are like, mm, that seems unlikely, but maybe. Chisato is, like, definitely not. And Shun is both, how to say, incredulous and also on some level somehow, like, Offended, it seems?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the take here is that, like, Shun is, like, a handsome, charming guy that girls swoon over. And the uh, the very idea that girls would swoon over Kenta is, like, he's like, no, no, no. Like, it, it it's not jealousy. It's definitely not jealousy. It is some... It is taking offense at the idea that that he and kenta are on the same level
1: yes that something that happens to him could possibly also
0: happen to kenta but as they are disbelieving lo and behold the, that young woman like pops up right behind kenta and knocks on the door and is like hey kenta i found you here like i i have come for you and i've brought gifts <laughs>
1: uh everybody loses it kenzo loses it maybe most of all but everybody else like jaws on the floor cannot believe that this is happening uh it's it's a delay i think everybody else can't believe it shun is uh he's just confused like he doesn't deny the evidence of his eyes but it's very clear it's as though he's watching magic He's like, well, I definitely know what I just saw, but I have no idea how it possibly could have happened. Maybe like, it's I magnets. Saw it. It's Maybe. must be magnets. I don't know. So her name is Megumi uh, Takano. I think was her surname. Yes. Yep. Uh, and she's so here from the moon. Go-
0: yep. She is a she's an INET programmer. We discover, and she has been like watching Kenta. She's like, oh man, I watch all of your fights. Uh like like you've got some great moves. And Kenta's like, yes, yes, she has watched all of my fights and she has fallen in love with me. This is wonderful. This is like from Russia with love, except that there's not going to be a twist later.
1: Right. This is the absolute best version of how I, Kenta, could ever get a girlfriend. Like zero effort and you like me because I'm like a dope video game fighter. So yeah. she and then she's mentioned specifically on um, Battle Riser. She's like, the way you use Battle Riser is very excellent, and he's like, awesome, love it. So we go from there to the Nezere dimension where Doctor Hinalar is doing his best Phantom of the Opera impersonation, which is a oh, fun dude. twist we haven't seen. Haven't seen Doctor Hinalar.
0: Doctor Hinalar has a different energy in this episode than he has previously. Like he got oh, like yeah, he man. has. He has dealt with Guy Rail, and now, like, this is the Dr. Hinnelar show.
1: Yeah, this he's is, playing... he's definitely feeling, this is such a hard turn for him. It almost feels as though he, Dr. Hinnelar, is the new mid-season villain.
0: Right, even though he's been like, the villain the whole time.
1: <laughs> in theory, yeah, but, like, now all of a sudden, like you know, in the 13th round, like, out of the gate swinging. He's totally different. So he's jamming on this Phantom of the Opera thing, and he, like, hits a bunch of buttons. King Javius is on the on the televisor, and he's like, Hinelar, and he keeps calling him. And eventually Dr. Hinelar is like, yeah, dude, like, I heard you, I'm busy. Like I'm doing a thing right now, and there's this bolt of lightning, and he says, "I have created the best creature." Meet Psycho Lion Nezilar.
0: Yes. Now, and when he says he has
1: created the best creature, uh, he is not far off. Psycho Lion Nezilar is sick as hell, dude. Psycho Lion Nezilar, amazing.
0: Looks so good. And what is interesting to me is like this is episode 33, right? like we are we are we are beyond the point where we should be having a mid-season pivot but this is absolutely a mid-season pivot because we are introducing an upgraded version of the week, the monster of the weeks, right? It's always yes. been, you know, like whatever nezere monster. But this is not the same sort of thing. This is an like the psycho nezalar beasts I think are just going to be like the new version and I'm really curious if they all look this cool
1: man i don't know because okay so psycho lion neslar so he is an animal of course but he looks a lot more robotic i would say than a lot of the previous like there's always been like a a kind of a twisty like robot ish sometimes but also like very organic psycho lion neslar does not
0: look like that yeah he looks like a beautiful golden robot lion man
1: yeah, uh, his vibe is very much like Mega Man X
0: slash Silverhawks, kind of. Perfect, yeah. Yep, that's exactly what it is.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, anyways, he looks amazing. Oh, I just noticed his giant mane is also like a drill thing. That's sick. It's like a twisty... Anyways, he's amazing looking. Look him up. So he's like, I've created the best new monster. This is Psycho Lion Nizalar. Here he goes also and and he's like listen i do not need anybody else to help me with this uh Gyrail ultimately was pretty useless i don't need any more help like sit i will handle this like don't worry about it and javius is like all right dude like okay i'm gonna remember what you said but you go for
0: it yeah. oh and also uganda back Oh yeah, he rebuilt Ugande. Yes. He has rebuilt Ugande. He is stronger than ever, and he has given him a new sword, and that new sword is called Dark Crisis. And it has three it's special a, moves. That's a
1: good name. That's a very good name for a sword. Now, its special moves are activated just by like like button pads on the hilt of the sword. Like it's I mean it's a video game thing, so it does make sense. It kinda looks a little dopey, but the rest of the sword looks looks sick. So, we flash back down to Digital Research Club. Yes. And Megumi says, Kenta, I have a present for you. It's taken me six months to to finish it. And she opens up this case that she has with her, and she starts pulling basket. some stuff out. It's a picnic basket. Yeah, and it's got a bunch of stuff in it, like some cookies and things. Uh, again, nobody can believe that this is... And something. I immediately Everybody's think- blown away...
0: Has she been making cookies for six months?
1: That because was my thought as well like it takes that don't would feel be bad, a though. lot of
0: cookies that would be a lot of cookies, and also cookies don't necessarily keep for six months.
1: yeah, well, don't feel bad because Kenta thinks the exact same thing. He's just like, "Oh, cookies, those are great presents. Love it and then there's like a nezare call and they they dip out to fight
0: Kenta is inconsolable that he's being torn away from his new lady love. And cookies.
1: Yeah. He's like, listen, Honestly, this is going to take... I think he that. says... He's like, this is going to take me five minutes, babe. I will be right back. I'm super stoked about this present. Uh, you, just, you just hang tight.
0: So, so they're called away. We... And unfortunately, it is not just a bunch of... Um, oh my gosh, I was about to say wumpers. Uh, it's not cooney, just cooney. a bunch of kuni kuni Uh It is ugande and it is Uganda plus Dart featuring Dark Crisis.
1: Yeah. Uh, so it's got a fire blade mode, which is very, very cool. And then it has, like, a shooty, like, air cut blade mode. And that's good. And they uh, – Dr. Handler did an amazing job. uganday is absolutely wiping the floor with the rangers. They, like, shoot him right in the face like nothing happens. Uh, he tries to do riser, uh, riser chop. And Uganda just, like, grabs his fist out of midair and, like, throws him back over uh, himself. So whatever Dr. Henelar did, he really went all out. is doing a very, very good job. Yeah,
0: so in the meantime, Megumi is, like, going through her picnic basket back in the Digital Research Club and realizes that, like, she had tripped and—I don't think we mentioned it, but she yeah, had, we like, didn't mention it. But. tripped and fallen over in the subway, which is why she missed the subway car. And when she did, her picnic basket, like, popped open. And she's like, ah, oh, crap, I must have dropped this thing that I'm looking for back there. So she runs over to the subway station and she finds a floppy disk, like an INET floppy yes. disk. And she begins to move her way, like, towards the fight.
1: So while we're there, uh, what we are also seeing is that Psycho Lion Nazare can teleport and he has like a he's got like a rocket launcher sort of thing except it's not launching rockets it's launching like it seems to be launching teleport beacons effectively and there's no there's no explanation for exactly what he's doing but he's like going around and then he's like ah one more and then i'm done right yes so megumi at this point arrives she just like runs right up on uganda and i give her a lot of props for that great job because she does not have superpowers and then uganda is just like dark lightning mode and it's like a lightning blast and megumi and uh, mega red fall into the water and then the other rangers also get blasted and they fall into the water all, and everybody's in the it water.
0: almost feels like an afterthought like megumi and kenta go into the water and then they're like oh yeah, the other the other four should probably also be in there so that we can sort of end this scene and move on. So they just, like, run up to immediately get blasted and thrown into the water. Yeah.
1: So uh, they go there. Oh, so the next scene is Megumi, and she's in the hospital. The other rangers were okay, I guess, because they're rangers, but she just got blasted, and she's a human. So she's in the hospital, and Kenta feels super bad. He's like... I, I, I can't believe this. That my heart is broken. This all happened because you fell in love with me and you came down to Earth to be with me. I am gonna save you. Like I feel responsible for this. Had you not inevitably fallen in love with me, I mean, everything would have been okay. I mean,
0: how, how could that not have happened? Really, I mean, look at me. But you know, it's, but it, is, it is, it is a shame.
1: <laughs> and then he picks up the cookies and he's like. These Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. There's another there's a quick bit where we see Dr. Kubota, and he's just like, Hey, guys, while you were fighting Uganda, there was like this whole other thing. This whole other thing happening.
0: With this teleporting with, lion man, we're definitely going to have to yeah, deal with it. Definitely have to deal with this. Because they've realized that the places where the Psycho Lion... Not Nezere. It's a Psycho Lion Nezalar... I'm definitely yes. going to get that wrong a bunch. Sekolai and Nezalar, the places where he has like dropped these I don't know teleport beacons that are also mines or bombs are all in like Yeah,
1: it's not clear.
0: It's a it's a dam, it's like a power plant. It's all of these places that if they were to all get blown up, it would just destroy all of Japan.
1: Well, specifically, there's one spot where he said like Chisanto says like, oh, those spots are all super important for like the city. But then there's also it's called the super energy lab. And Dr. Kabuto says if that thing blows up, it will have the force of like 50 hydrogen bombs. And like, not just Tokyo, all of Japan
0: would go up. Yeah. So like we so need that's like the specific. like just go just be there cuz there's gonna be some you're gonna have to fight someone and you're gonna have to do it there so just go there now and we'll figure out what this all means. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so then Kenta's we go back to Kenta and he's just like I'll eat the cookies and when I return we'll go on a date. Your cookies
0: will give me strength. And she,
1: right. And so he dashes off. So the rangers are all there together. And uh, Psycholion Nezare kind of like taunts them. And they're like, well, you're just another Nesere beast. And he's like, no, let me explain the whole upgrade process. I am now Psycholion Nezilar. Uh It's a fun little bit of exposition. And it's a quick Kune Kune fight. And then we get clued into what Psycholion Nesere's plan is. And it's a very cool and I think totally unique plan. I don't think we've ever seen something like this before.
0: Not that I can recall, at least. So his plan is, he's like, okay. He he kind of pulls a uh, Clint Eastwood from A Fistful of Dollars, where he's like, if you're going to beat me, you've got to shoot me right here. And then Kent is like, okay, I'll shoot you right there. And he does shoot him right there. Now, the thing is, in A Fistful of Dollars, uh, that is Clint Eastwood like trying to trick somebody into shooting him in a like a shield he's wearing underneath the poncho. Um, what Psycholai and Nezalar is doing is a little different, because he's having him shoot, he's having Kenta shoot him in his weak point, it genuinely is a weak point, but the problem is that whatever gun thing he had been messing around with earlier, what that did is it linked the bombs that he planted to specific points on his own body. So when Kenta shoots him in this, like, weak spot above his heart, like, psycho or Nezalar is definitely injured, but also a dam explodes.
1: Yes. Now, of course, Kay doesn't see this happening, right? Kenta doesn't know that, you know, that this is up. And so he blasts him, like, a few more times and, like, blows, inadvertently, like, blows up a bunch of other stuff, too.
0: Yeah, and as he's sort of going in for the kill, uh, and I think the other Rangers have arrived at this point, too, Dr. Uh, Kubota gets on the phone with them. He's like, hey, uh, you need to stop what you're doing immediately, or you will destroy this entire country.
1: And and also sort of the world. And and now Psycho Lion Nazare is just like, ha, no, you understand. I can't be stopped, because if you shoot me, like, you'll blow up this thing. And... Like you'll blow up the Earth, and it's just like I okay. Obviously, this is a children's show, etc. But like, dude, your goal was to blow up the Earth. What? Why? Like this is this in this is an. Inc- I like the plan. It's very cl- interesting, but it's like entirely convoluted and totally unnecessary. Because I- what we just found out is that. Unless it's like a. Okay, this is why I thought it was a teleport beacon and not a bomb. Is because it is using the Ranger's own blasts to blow these things up. If it's just bombs, why wouldn't he just blow the stuff up? Like, why create this. This, uh, like, Rube Goldberg machine <laughs> of a plan to. To get the Rangers to shoot him, so it would then blow up. That that I think makes sense. Yeah. So, anyways, so they're they're like, well, okay, that's a very good point, and uh, we I guess we can't shoot you. Maybe it's to try to kill the Rangers first. That would also make sense.
0: Yeah, but I, I think the teleport theory works well, and I think that will actually play out as we go on. I think I think we can make sense of this.
1: So, anyways, we then find out there's a there's a ray of hope.
0: Yeah, because uh, we we hear from I think that's Tall Steve and Doctor Kubota. I uh, believe so. Yep up in up in space, and they're like, "Hey, so here's the deal. We analyzed the attacks from the like when you were shooting him a minute ago and blowing up a dam. Thank you again for that, Kenta. Um, good job." Aces, absolutely great. We love to see it. You're doing great out there, champ. Uh, thank you for destroying part of the city. They don't say all that, but I feel like they're kind of yeah. digging in their hearts a little bit. They're like, okay, so here's the deal. There is like a 0. .026 second delay between when you hit him and the energy transfers to exploding wherever this thing is. But... If you can hit him hard enough that it kills him instantly, it will shut down that transfer process, and like we will be good to go. Yeah. So you've you've been using Battle Riser for a while. I, have we seen him use the 0-3 mode before?
1: We have not. I, we have not. We actually have mentioned this like right when Battle Riser showed up, and then I think we've talked about it again. There's always been three buttons. He just only ever uses one or two, because that's what Dr. Kubota told him to do.
0: Yeah, and so like, okay, so if you just use number three, then that'll we kill him instantly, and we can just all go home. So can- Great, and he's like, cool. So he tries to use it, and it's just it's just like a
1: shot, but it does nothing. And he's like, um, I don't know what your plan was, guys, but that was bupkis, dude.
0: Yeah, and, and Dr. Kubota's like, wait, didn't you... That, that absolutely should have worked. Wait, didn't you... Didn't you get that upgraded?
1: Like, didn't you get the disc from Megumi? Well, and he doesn't Red say the like, disc.
0: He's like, didn't you get the... Like, didn't Megumi come to visit you? And he was like... Oh, that's ah, right. Ah, yes. What it is. Megumi did come to visit me. He's like, well, did you get her present? He's like, yes. I ate it. It was good. Like, would you... <laughs> you ate it? What, what are you talking about, <laughs> Kenta? Because, of course, <laughs> the real gift <laughs> is a piece of software... That was developed in space and brought down to upgrade the Mega Rangers,
1: but which is this is like the worst possible way to have done this. Like we know they have the internet, we know they have date wireless data transfer. Like
0: I, I just like okay,
1: it's like no forget forget all that, guys. Here's what we'll do: we'll send Megumi from the moon to Earth to maybe catch up with kenta on a subway platform rather than his house or his school or any of the other places that we know he is or we also could call kenta up to the moon on his like incredible cyber slider technology and just do it there no we're just gonna nah no no no. we'll send megumi with her picnic basket and a bunch of cookies and the software update in a case and just send her to the subway station.
0: My guess... That's the plan. My guess is that Megumi had short leave coming up anyway, and she had been the one who'd been developing this software. And she was like, I'm going down to Earth anyway. Let me deliver it. It'll be fun.
1: Okay. That's, I that's that. That's the only I version of that. this
0: that really makes sense to me. <laughs> okay. And of course, so, Kenta completely got the wrong idea and thinks that she's helplessly in love with him.
1: Well, listen, she could be helplessly in love with him. And also be here to do the thing. She didn't make the cookies. That's true. So anyways, Megumi at this point has woken up. We see her. She's like, you know, Terminator running towards, not really, towards the battle with the discs. And she's like, we're never going to get there. And uh, Mega Silver shows up. And he's like, I got you. Hop on. And he gives her a ride. And then they... They arrive at the battle. Mega Silver's like, Mega Red Megumi, you guys dip. I'll step in for you and, you know, kind of buy you a minute to get this handled.
0: Yeah. They go off. Uh, Megumi, like... So the thing about Battle Riser, if you've forgotten, is that it's like this thing that sits on his wrist, right? Like, everybody has the digitizer on their one wrist, but uh, Kenta also has the Battle Riser that sits on his other wrist, like a bracelet thing. Um, Mm -hmm. so in order to install this stuff, Megumi, like, takes his hand and, like, brings it over to her and is, like, holding his hand and also, like, plugging a cable into the Battle Riser. But he is so, I I feel like he is so flustered by this girl holding his hand that he is kind of distracted from the fact that she is giving him a software update. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, she does, though. She's like, okay, cool. You are fully upgraded now. Go use the Zero-Three mo- mode and shoot that lion to death, please, before he kills us all. Yes.
1: And he does. He does. He literally like, he atomizes Psycho Lion Nazare. He turns him to dust. BBDB, when he goes down to make him giant, is actually like, he's like, ooh, I'm gonna have to like suck up the dust and reconstitute Psycho Lion Nezere, like whole... <laughs> <laughs> Almost from old cloth here But I can do it And he does
0: Uh And then there's a big fight You know
1: Yeah it's not terribly interesting They call in
0: Mega Voyager Mega Voyager shoots lion Nezalar With a simply enormous gun Um You know You know the one that has a bullet The size of a building It's It's pretty good Uh But the the fight itself Does not last terribly long Um so we cut to the next day, or maybe later that day. I don't know. Kenta is standing around next to a statue of the word love, and he's wearing a red suit, with a red tie, and he's waiting for Megumi. He be- looks sharp.
1: Sharp-dressed man, dude. Kenta is Kenta is fly. He's leaning into this. And it's very good. And it's
0: always a delight to actually see him wearing red.
1: Yes. Uh, so the other rangers show up, and she they're like, This I'm not sure what you think is happening, but it's definitely not this thing. And Shisanto says something, I forget exactly what she says, and Kent is like, You you're jealous. It's like you're jealous, that there's like another another girl around, aren't you? And Shisanto's like, What? No. I think it's actually pretty clear that she definitely is a
0: little at least a tiny bit salty about this. So Megumi arrives, and uh, like Kenta just sees her like skipping towards them, and, she, and he's like, "Ah, yes, cool, great, loving this." Um, and and as she arrives, he's like, "You guys get out of here, hey Megumi!" Like. To thank you for all of your help. I'd like to take you out for a date. Where do you want to go? Like any... You know, it's on me. This is going to be a great time. You just... You and me on a cool romantic date. Uh, Megumi, sort of for the first time being confronted with this like straight on, is like, oh, um... Well... Um... uh, So the thing about that actually is... And then she gets like a Skype call... Um, on her, like, video phone that she has, which is cool. Which is important that it's not just a regular phone, because we get to see the person on the other line. And the person on the other line is Shogo, the chief engineer of Galaxy Mega, and Kenta's sort of, uh, Ken- like, good friend slash, uh, semi-rival. Yeah. And he says, Meg,
1: what are you still doing on Earth? Like, shouldn't you be back up to base by now? And Kenta says, Whoa 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 Shogo Once not you slow your roll a little bit there, dude, it's a little bit it's a little bit personal, a little bit familiar to be calling her Meg. And Shogo says Um, well she is my girlfriend, so seems reasonable to me.
0: And And then poor Kenta. Yeah. Kenta kind of like, well, Kenta reacts the way that I think you could anticipate if you are familiar with the character. He he doesn't love this. He's not like mad at anybody, but he's definitely like, he's, he's a little heartbroken. He had let himself sort of, you know, believe that this woman was in love with him. Even though she never said that, but he had convinced himself that it was the case, and he's disappointed. You know, it's it's a bummer for him. It's fine for her and Shogo. They're pr- presumably yeah. very happy. Listen,
1: I am uh, I am also a little bit bummed out for Kenta, but he rallies and he says, "You know what, man? I'm gonna eat some yakiniku. I'm gonna forget all about this." And he does like a he throws his jacket in the air, and then everybody is uh, everybody feels feels a lot better
0: and I feel better, Dave. And that's the end of the episode. But Me of course, too. it's not the end of our episode because finally after like 3 episodes of not having anybody, uh, we have somebody to put on the Creature Royale. Yes. So, Senko Lion
1: Nezere, where does this guy go?
0: If you have forgotten, because we haven't done it in a few weeks, we have started breaking up the Creature Royale into a season-by-season thing, so we are only going to be judging him against the other Nezere beasts. Okay, so I like his vibe. He's got a
1: fun plan. He's no pig Nezere, I will say.
0: Well, the, the, the thing is this, okay. If Pig Nazare didn't have his own theme song about the Diet Crepe, uh, he might be on that same level. But, I mean, come on.
1: He, he might be. But, yeah, Pig Nazare had so much personality. He's got a song. He's got a dance. He's got all that stuff. I honestly, but right underneath Pig Nazare is B. Nazare. And B. Nazare is is partly as high as he is. It's a very good plant, but also because he looks amazing.
0: Uh, yes. But- Psycho
1: Lion Nazare also looks incredible. Yes.
0: And I think his plan is cooler.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because it it puts the Rangers in sort of like a moral eh, maybe not moral, like a strategic quandary in a way that Be Nezare did it. They just had to stop B. Yeah, B.
0: Nesare was like so- cool and had brainwashing stuff, but like I like the fact that there has been sort of a theme of brainwashing monsters in this season. I think that's been very like a cool hook for Shibalina. But it does kind of take away from the impact of each individual one of those. And so so Psycholion Nezilar really, like, stands out in a way that he doesn't. So,
1: it's the new spot number five right underneath Pig Psycholion Nezilar,
0: Welcome to the party. I mean, you've been killed now, so I guess you didn't get to stay at the party. But I hope you enjoyed your stay, Psycholion Nezalar. Uh, And that is the end of another episode of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you that you can email the show at SuperSentaiBrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at SuperSentaiBros if you like the show, and I hope that you do. Please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. And if you would like to give us a rating or a review on there, well, you can just feel free to do so we would welcome it, assuming that it's a five-star review. Otherwise, we would discourage it. Uh, The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you'd like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find us all at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.